You're listening to Creativity Quest, hosted by me, author and writing mindset coach, Carrie Schaefer. Join me and my guests on our quest to ditch our doubts, dance with our demons, and delve into creative delight. Creativity Quest is owned and copyrighted by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Now, let's get creative. creative people. Welcome back to another episode of Creativity Quest. I am super excited today to have a friend and a brilliant author with us today. (laughs) Yeah, she's making those faces because we do that, right? This is Marcella Bernard, who is one of my really very first author friends. And when I met Marcella, um, a long time ago, it, it was um, around books that are now kind of doing full circle and coming back, which is really exciting, actually, I, I, I think. And that's, I think, really interesting information for some of you who might be wanting to pursue that route as well. So um, we might talk a little bit, if you're okay with that, Marcella, about... Um, you know, <laughs> the process of going back to an old book and then kind of re-energizing it and bring it back out into the world. Um, <laughs> oh, it's going to be awesome. I love the new cover, by the way. I, oh, I did too. I was so lucky. I know. I looked at the old <laughs> cover and then I looked at yeah. the new cover. Um, I'm going to put a pick up uh, for anybody who's just listening here. If you go to the sites, they're should be a picture of the book. Um, Definitely on my Facebook page at Creativity Quest, which in the old cover was kind of a very stylized, very sexualized kind of a a cover. We we do that a lot, I find. Do you want to talk about that? It was very male gazy. Yes. (laughs) I like the lightest way I can put that. And it was really an interesting kind of thing that they're going to put this cover on a romance novel, a romance novel that they mean to shelve in romance, with a cover where the heroine is designed for the male gaze. I'm like, okay. Right. Hey, if, hey, covers, covers are a whole other topic. That's, that's a really fascinating <laughs> thing. First, first, guys, before we get all carried away talking to Marcella, because I have all kinds of exciting questions and things I want to know and, and talk to her about. So I'm going to read to you uh, the back cover copy for her Book, which is re-releasing here shortly, and we'll be talking about that a little bit more. It's called The Enemy Within, and Marcella, the, um, it would be science, sci-fi romance, romance, sci-fi? SFR, sci-fi romance. Sci-fi romance. Okay, so here we go. Here's the back cover copy. Horrific torture in an alien prison torpedoed Captain Erie... Airy, right? Airy Idyll's military career. Stripped of command and banished to her father's scientific expedition to finish a PhD she doesn't want, Airy refuses to fly a desk. She intends to have her command back by any means possible until pirates commandeer her father's ship and she's once again a prisoner. Perhaps this cunning captor isn't what he pretends to be. As far as Cullen, how do you pronounce his last name? Shaw. Shaw, as far as Cullen Shaw is concerned, the same goes for Ari. Her past association with aliens puts her dead center in Cullen's crosshairs. If she hasn't been brainwashed and returned as a spy, then she must be part of a traitorous alliance endangering billions of lives. He can't afford the desire she fires within him. His mission comes first. He'll stop at nothing, including her destruction, to uncover her true purpose and protect 
what is his. So you can see right up, we have two very strong characters who are very driven by their mission and their goals and obviously a little uh, something else happening between them. So <laughs> <laughs> it's beautifully set up right from the beginning. And I, I, I meant to reread this and I didn't have a chance to do before this interview, but I read it when it first came out and I loved it then. So I'm sure that I'm going to love it just as much or, or more now. So Marcella, do you want to talk about, did you make any substantial changes when, when you went back and revisited this book? In this one, no, there were not a whole lot of substantial changes. Now, the opportunity that I had was to go back and catch all of the repeated words, all of the repeated <laughs> gestures, you know, all of the things that didn't get caught during edits the first go around. And that was satisfying. The one that really got me, because there's a, when this book came out, it was a two book contract, and this was in, it released in 2010, the first time. The second book came out in 2011. Both books got picked up, and then three more. So it's a, it's a complete five-book series. Right. So when all of this gets done, there will be five. Uh, but when I got to the second book and my dev edits from my new editor came back, I had a chance to, to do some really substantial edits on that book because there were a couple of scenes that, uh, looking back at 2011, I kind of went, ooh, I wish I hadn't done that. <laughs> so I got to undo it. Right. And then I got the and then I got the dev edit that said, "Hey, there are 322 plus exclamation points in this work. Could we pare that down?" So yeah, I don't know how that ever made it through Berkeley's edits, but it did. So exclamation marks were a thing for you. I once I once had an editor. I, I don't even want to say how many times this this happened. He counted every time I used the word eyes. <laughs> oh yes, in one of my manuscripts, it was yeah. really horrific. Um, <laughs> So well, you know, that's all you can do when you get those notes is laugh. You know. Well, after you cuss and throw things around and feel like crap for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And after you call yourself an idiot, like, wow, did I really do that? <laughs> <laughs> so so really I'm thinking about this in many ways. It's like I know a lot of us, and I'm, I'm not the only one, um, as authors, after we write something, like I don't want to go read anything of mine in print because I can't change it anymore and I know it's gonna make me crazy. Exactly. <laughs> so in, in a way it sounds like this is really kind of a, a brilliant opportunity to go back and fix all those things that we all wish we could still fix in our in our first books yeah double-edged sword <laughs> yeah i mean yeah it is a, it is a double-edged sword i mean you can look at it that way and say oh yeah well i get this opportunity to go fix things and i did and that's how i'm choosing to to go with it but there's also that other side that's like oh look at you still <laughs> dealing with these books that are now a decade old you know starting over eh, and you know it is what it is it's just this is just how the business rolls. Right. So we, we need to talk about that. But before we do, a little bit about Marcella. So Marcella was published before me, and I was a little bit fangirly about her, actually, when I met her. Because <laughs> <laughs> we were in the same, we were, we were writing the, a blog together, weren't we? Well, you were, but you were published before I was. Like, my first book didn't come out until 2012, so. Right, well, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so there was that. Yes, we were. We, we met on a blog, and um, I, I'm trying to remember now, too, how it all worked. Was it the second book that won won the awards through? Um, no, the first one. The this first one. one. So this tell one. us a little bit about that, because that's all important. 
So in 2010, when this book came out, it won the RT Critics' Choice Award for the Best Futuristic for 2010. Right. And then it finaled both in the Best First Book and in the Paranormal category for the Rita. Right. And the Rita, for those of you who may not know, if you're not into romance at all, or if you are um, a reader, maybe not aware, Ritas are a really big thing in in the writer world. There's this beautiful little golden statue, and everybody gets all excited, and those are given out at the um, Romance Writers of America conference, where I'm going, by the way. Um, In a couple of weeks, I'll be hopefully interviewing some authors for you from there, because it's my plan to try and hook up with some people and uh, get them on the camera real quick. But it's a big thing. The, the first year I went to, to RWA and I saw the readers, like, oh, I want one of those, even though I don't write romance. <laughs> yeah. I think I could. I actually um, was a very bad girl. There's a picture of me somewhere. There was a person behind me after the Rita Awards, and she was drinking, maybe celebrating quite a bit. And she actually left her Rita unattended for long enough that there may or may not be a picture of photo op. I feel like that needs to go up on your webpage. I, it probably should. There was a picture going around <laughs> for a while. Yeah, I'll have to find that now because that was an exciting moment. It's like, oh, look at me. I'd like to thank the Academy. Anyway, so very, very, very big thing. But then um, then uh, Marcella went through the frustrating and difficult and rather demoralizing thing that happens to a lot of us also as authors where um, your publisher decides they don't want to continue your right. series. So um, I know you've been through that. Twice. And I know it was difficult, but here you are again. So, um, (laughs) and you have had some other books out since then as well. So Marcel has been writing all along, but um, one of the things we thought we would talk about today is, you know, excuses and how they can get in the way and um, all that sort of thing. So you want to sort of talk about how how I might have held you back for a bit? Well, it's, it's funny. I mean, it, excuses are so pervasive and insidious, you know, and you start thinking about, okay, why are you not writing? Why are you not doing your work? Why are you not doing the thing you profess to love the most? And I'll admit, I probably deserve some kind of an award for making my own excuses about that. You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, there's always, there's always something, you know, I mean, so you kind of you kind of know when you're talking about I I really want to do this but or you start with yeah I should be I should I should oh. but you, know, <laughs> you start shitting yourself and then you know and the thing about it is that okay I'm an adult damn it I can get this all together I can conquer my excuses I can find a system and a way to put those aside and to to tear down the barriers to entry. And that's how I kind of think about it is that I have to create a system that works for me to remove my barriers of entry to the work. And if I can do that, you know, for a long time, it looked like packing up my little laptop, packing it away in my bike, usually wrapped in plastic bag because I lived in Seattle at the time. (laughs) getting on my bike and riding to a tea shop where I would sit and camp for four hours and, and do my work where I didn't have to worry about anybody else. Right. 
And that worked, home. And it worked for you for a while. It worked for me for a while. And then we sold the boat, moved off and a bunch of family stuff happened, life. And I've had to continually evolve and change my systems. And occasionally my systems required hiring the coach, which is what I did. I got to be one of your guinea pigs. Yes, you did. And it was, <laughs> it was awesome incredibly valuable. <laughs> you know, it was incredibly valuable work. Um, and so anybody, any, any author, any writer, any creative who's thinking about, hey, maybe I could use some, some help getting, getting past my own thinking, which is really all that is, hiring somebody to coach you through that and to walk you through some of that stuff, it's invaluable. It is money incredibly well spent. I do not regret a cent of that. <laughs> um, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I really don't. Hey, by the way, can I provide some kind of a, you know, a, a plug for you later? Um, no, it really, it really was invaluable uh, and still is to this day. And it, it, was, it was invaluable enough that I continue to stick with um, you've got a group yeah. of people that you've coached. Great. Well, and, and actually, work together. since you brought that up, I'm going to mention that real quick. The, yeah. the group that Marcel's talking about is called the League of Legendary Writers. And really, um, what I've done is pulled in some of the things that have worked the best for people um, generally getting past their own thinking and their own blocks and excuses to be able to get to their writing um, sort of on a group basis. So we do write-ins together. We have virtual write-ins online. We encourage each other, cheer each other on, do some fun stuff. Um, there's meditation that's posted pretty much weekly to work with as far as getting past your blocks and into your creativity, all that kind of stuff. So um, check it out you can find it at uh, uh i i wasn't prepared for this little moment and i should be sorry <laughs> i've been i've been off grid for a couple of weeks so i'm like i go to facebook and i just look up league of legendary writers Legend i just type in league and you pop right up so right um for anybody wanting to join us though there's actually a little registration process because this is actually a, a group that um requires a little uh, monthly fee of, of 15 dollars. so you can find that by just uh you can try to join on facebook and it'll tell you where to go or you can actually go to right at the edge.teachable.com that's right that's where it's at if you're interested in joining or just ask me <laughs> easier <laughs> yeah easier uh, or, or ask me because I'll direct you as well very gladly um, so, before you know you mentioned a couple things and I do want to talk to you about this so so you talked about you know the, the one thing worked for a while um, going to a tea shop and then that stopped working and then you, you know talking about you talked about continually evolving in in the process of um, finding the way that the writing is going to work. And I think this is a really important point. And I think people get hung up here because you may have found a process that works for you and, and then it might stop working. And so, you know, that Marcel is very, very right about that. When, when it stops working, then it's time to stop, look at the principles of, you know, how do I get past my own thinking? How can I be creative about being creative about my excuses and then continuing to evolve and move on from there. So anyways. Right. Because life is going to change. I mean, none of us ever stay the same and our circumstances don't stay the same. I mean, it's like every, I think that 10 years that I lived on that sailboat was the longest I have ever lived anywhere as an adult for any one length of time. Right. So we move, I mean, physically pick up and move. 
so many times um, and every single time I have to reinvent a system. I have to reinvent a way to work. But the interesting thing about excuses is that once you have conquered your own, I have discovered everyone else will make them for you. Oh yeah. <laughs> How many times have you heard, well, you've had a lot going on lately. <laughs> How many times have you heard that? Oh, great. Like everybody's, there was a, a photobomb. Cat right there. You have many. Yes. Yeah. yeah, if you're watching some video, one of Marcella's, uh, one of Marcella's cats ran by. <laughs> there will be a few. There are multiples. Um, yeah, and, and that, I found that too. You know, everybody's yeah. trying to let me off the hook with my writing right now because I've had a lot of personal stuff going on and some grief work. And, you know, I think being kind to yourself and maybe dialing back a little bit, you know, it's important. Off the yeah. hook. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to quit writing altogether. Even <laughs> so. I feel like it's a question of recasting, right, or reframing the work. And that is, you have a choice. When you're in the, in the midst of drama, whatever its source, family, you know, for you and I, it's been family over the past couple of months. Right. Um, you can choose to either just drop the writing altogether or you can choose to say, this is my place of sanity. It is my place of refuge and I'm going to go rest here a little bit and have right. a little bit of fun. Right. I get an hour a day, maybe two if I can squeak it out. Um, th that, and that really changed the game too. Right. Well, and I think that's huge right there. Those words right there, I get to. I get to rather than I have to. <laughs> Giving yourself permission. And I think part of it too is, you know, especially when there is family drama, if it's medical family drama, as it was for me, um, you feel guilty. Right. You feel guilty not being emotionally available to the whoever may be lying in a hospital bed. Right. Even though they don't necessarily need you because they're asleep. Right, or somebody else's, or somebody yeah. else's with them for right, a period right. of time, or you know, yeah. don't need you twenty four seven. Yeah, there's always that. What in? But what if? But what if? And if? So yeah, it, it really does become this this pretty intensive mental game yeah. about giving yourself permission to be the best part of you, the truest part of you, which is to be your creative self. Right, exactly. And, and if, you, um, if you give yourself that little space, then you're much more able to actually be there for the people that, that need you. So, and, and that is a huge, there's a huge fallacy there, I think, with, with many of us, um, that we're being selfish if we take the time for our writing. Um, and so, or we're punishing ourselves for whatever reason by keeping ourselves from our writing. We do that too. And so, therefore, you know, we're not being our best selves when we do that. And uh, I, I love that you said get to us. That's one of my favorite little little tricks of just making that switch not not a have to and, and I've been uh, I had to uh, yeah thank you for the reminder I've been struggling with this a little bit because I'm, I'm on deadline right now and uh, I have had a lot going on and so you know I, I was really blocked yesterday I was home finally from having been off um, doing funerals and things um, 
And I was like, well, I have to write today, all day. I have to write today. I have to write today. I absolutely have to write today. I did not write one single freaking word. Right, because your brain is all, bet me. Well, because I was doing the have to thing. And yeah. today it's like, yeah, let's let that go. Let's just actually open a whole new document, pretend it doesn't matter. We're just going to write these words. And it started flowing, and I feel a whole hell of a lot better than I did. Good. Yeah. So I think that's really important. Um, and and I, we've talked about this a lot, so I actually want to move on because I really am interested in your, in your books. And um, the process of, because they were with Berkeley, and Berkeley dropped. So did you have to do something to get those rights back? Did they just relinquish them to you? How did you actually get the rights back to those two books so that you could redo them? At the time those books were sold, I was represented by an agent, and that agent worked for a particular agency. When she left that agency, the books remained with the agency, and I was assigned a new agent. Uh -huh. While she was not particularly interested in representing new work from me, she continued to represent those books. Uh -huh. So when the time came for the rights to revert, uh -huh. uh, she was the one who then went to Berkeley and went directly to their legal group and just handed them back to me with a bow. <laughs> you know, it was beautiful. Like, wow, I kept, I kept hearing all these horror stories and here you go, here's everything. <laughs> Thanks. And then I sat on it because I didn't know what to do. Right. You know, I was like, well, here I've got them. I guess I should kind of revise them, maybe build some covers, self-publish them. I don't know. I, what do I do with this? And at the time, I had some critique partners who were publishing through the Wild Rose Press. Uh-huh. And they kept encouraging me and kept saying, ah, you should, you should ask them. You said, well, they don't have a sci-fi line. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And, well, they're not going to want something that's already been published. You should ask. <laughs> Fine. So I figured, you know, finally gathered enough brain cells, I guess, <laughs> to, to at least ask the question or at least gather the courage to, to figure out that all they could do was say no, right? right. The worst they could do was say no. So I, I did, and they didn't. They didn't say no. <laughs> Go bigger. And then they, they asked if, you know, if I was willing to, you know, we, we talked about the rest of the series. They're like, yeah, we want those too. Oh, okay. So here we are. Right. So, and so how, how cool is that? So where you're at right now, we have um, The Enemy Within is coming out when? July 17. July 17. So that is coming right up. That's available for pre-order. You can wander over to Amazon and look up The Enemy Within by Marcella Bernard. And um, that's available for pre-order. And then the second one, do we know when the, when the second in the series is going to be available? I don't yet. Not yet. Um, okay. I just turned in, we're waiting on copy edits. I just turned in dev edits. We're waiting on copy edits on that one. No, I just turned in the galley. But I think we've got another round of copies. Proofread, <laughs> probably. I've got something. I've got something. <laughs> something, something's coming up. I'm waiting on something still. And then I just turned in the, the, the first draft, you know, the draft of the, the third book. Right. So I should be getting dev edits, dev edits back on that one. How fun! And then, and then you get to write the the fourth one's not written. I started right? book four this morning. Woohoo! That's so, exciting. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I know. I feel very strange to be back in drafting mode. Going, I, it is. Wait. It's 
Who am I? <laughs> yeah. Isn't it always weird to be in drafting mode, though? I mean, I find that even if it's just been like one book, if I've been revising for a while and doing edits, and then I go back to drafting, even if it's only been a couple of months, it feels really bizarre. It to does me. feel really strange. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things, for, for me, I know some people love drafting. Some people, I'm not one of them. Drafting, drafting is like pulling teeth for me. Um, I, I do my best to get around it, but editing is where I'm happiest. I, it, you tell me something's wrong and my brain instantly starts going and I can, oh, I can fix it. Yeah. But trying to actually get the blank page filled. Right. <laughs> so the write-ins are lifesavers because I'm on a camera. You people can see me. So if, I, if I'm alt-tabbing out to screw up my time with, you know, crap like Facebook, you guys can tell. So there is some, you know, there's some honesty there. It's like, I actually have to be typing words. I guess I'll just type words. So I, you, you do actually kind of build up some right. past that initial resistance. Right, right. Yeah, that's one of the things I find very helpful for write-ins as well is, the, you know, just kind of holding the space for each other. You know, mm -hmm. I'm here, <laughs> I'm here to write. So that's what I better be doing. <laughs> A little tiny bit of intellectual honesty, maybe. <laughs> so, um, oh, we have to talk about the cats. I, I, do we? Oh, God. Yeah, of course we do. <laughs> cats, cats are, you know, all, all right. They're a big part of my life. It's true. Yes, yes. I have, I have them in my world, too. So how many do you have right now? You have the, the three boys, right? The, the Raven and Corvid and Crow? Corvid. Yeah, you can guess what color these three cats are. Probably. Yeah, you can guess what color those three boys are. Um, Quillian is my 16 and a half year old. Um, she is the last of a generation, uh, you know, the former, the former group of cats, and, mm -hmm. and she's the last. Um, the, the three boys, Crow, Corvid, and Raven, were never supposed to stay. They were fosters, so they're uh -huh. foster fails. <laughs> And at the moment, I have two more fosters, uh, cats, kittens that were dumped. One kitten, Percival, was dumped at a construction site here uh, nearby. A neighbor trapped her two days before she was going to travel internationally. So then she put out this, this panic cry for help. Like, okay, I can, I can handle it. And then someone dumped uh, Aria, a little black and white Manx kitten, at our feral colony. I help manage a colony of feral cats in uh, St. Pete. And because I, I know a little bit about medical, you know, veterinary work and everything like that, I, I'm their medical. Everything. <laughs> I, don't, I don't, I don't because Percival just got a urinary tract infection. They found, I kid you not, she went into heat. Okay, so one of the boys, they're all supposed to be neutered. One of the boys tried to mate her. She got this urinary tract infection. I go to the vet and they come back and they tell me she has sperm in her bladder. Okay, somebody is either really confused about what tab goes in which slot or the vet says, or she's a hermaphrodite. She has both sets of sex organs. I had no idea this was a thing. None. No, me either. This and apparently it's, it's, not, it's not that rare. Can they, can they impregnate themselves? The theory is no. She did not know. She had to go Google it. And then when she Googled it, it was not about cats. It was about humans. And the answer was no. So we're extrapolating that the answer was no. But, you know, we now have a spay appointment for Percival on 
Monday. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, that and here. Crow saying hello. If you're only on audio, you are missing a beautiful, beautiful face with big golden eyes. So, well, Marcel, thank you for taking care of the cats in the way that you do. I know all of them, when they come to your house, they know they are in cat heaven. <laughs> I don't know. The two kittens are still on medication in the mornings. Neither one of them. I'm not very popular at the moment. Yeah, well, they're still in cat heaven. So, um, this has been fascinating as I knew it would be. I, I love talking to you always about um, creative stuff, and I'm wishing you the absolute best of luck oh, with this you. book when it comes out. I'm excited. <laughs> too. I am excited. I'm frightened. Of <laughs> you know, terrified, excited. Of that, course. That whole as, thing. As we, as we always are. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then promising myself I won't go check any of my rankings. I won't do that. I'm not going to go check sales numbers. I'm not going to check rankings. It is going to be what it's going to be. Right. It's so easy to say before it comes it out. Is. It is. <laughs> All right, my dear. Um, Thank you so much for letting me Come on and oh. talk your ear off. Oh, this was awesome. Thank you for being here. And uh, we'll see you later in the group. Um, bye, creative people. Go bye. do something creative. <laughs>